Today's episode of the Crawford Talks is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from GoToMeeting all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Add to your flash briefing on Alexa or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Welcome in. It is the Crawford Talks. He's the Astros beat writer for the Athletic, Jake Kaplan, and I'm Mike Melser. And we have a lot for you today because we have some juicy news to get into. The Boston Red Sox report, long awaited, especially by uh, a lot of Astros fans, was finally released on Wednesday afternoon. It is long. This is a this is a 15 page report, which is actually longer than the Astros report from the middle of January. And Jake, let's just dive right into this. I'm going to go through the punishments here and we'll kind of go through all the different angles and all the relevant things. So JT Watkins was the Red Sox video replay system operator uh, in 2018. He has now been suspended for all of this season, and he cannot be back in the same role, like assisting with video replays and being in the replay room for the Red Sox in 2021. The Red Sox were fined a or docked a 2020 second round pick. Uh, Alex Cora was suspended for all of this season, but not for any conduct from the 2018 Red Sox, just his conduct as the Astros bench coach in 2017. And Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, found that the Red Sox front office consistently communicated baseball sign-stealing rules to non-player staff and made commendable efforts towards instilling a culture of compliance in the organization. Essentially, what was going on, Jake, in 2018 with the Red Sox was some percentage of the time, around 20%, when they had a runner on second base, this guy, JT Watkins, uh, had kind of a system where he could communicate the signs to the players who would then relay it to the guy at home plate who was obviously hitting. What was kind of your major takeaway from the punishments from this report? Well, I think it's important to note that we don't know it was 20% of the time that they did it. We know that they had a runner, you know, the average runner on second, the average situation um, teams have that situation with a runner on second base throughout a season around 20% of the time. So um, the Rob Manfred really wasn't able to nail down exactly how frequently they did it. At least he didn't outline that in his report. It said, I think the the wording he comes back to is at least on occasion. Yes. Um, and no no evidence of anything in the postseason, which is not surprising given the fact that the 2018 postseason is when MLB started to put in-person employees, uh, in-person employees, <laughs> in-person monitors um, like physical people from MLB in the video rooms to monitor uh, what was going on. So, um, yeah, I mean, this, this is a really nuanced um, situation. I, I mean, it's hard to boil my reaction down to to one sentence or one paragraph even. Um, I would encourage anyone to, everyone who's interested to actually go read the physical report. It's, I agree. It is, lo- it is longer 
but it's not Lord of the Rings here. Like it's it's 15 spaced out pages. You can read it in what 20 minutes. Um, half you know hour, what? Maybe. See, now I feel bad, Jake, because I this is not a humble brag. Uh, one of the thing, one of my few strengths in life is I feel like I read, I read pretty fast. I found myself like struggling to get all through this yesterday. Like I think it took me the Astros when I flew through. I thought it was like really well written, well structured, well organized. This one I was kind of like I kept thinking I'm like three pages in, five pages, seven pages. I'm like, why the hell is this thing so damn long? Was I the only one who felt that way reading this? It's a little more redundant than the Astros one, and it's obviously longer, which I think is on purpose. I think. You know, in reaction to the reaction to the Astros report, Manfred seemingly um, wanted to make extra clear and, and provide extra clarity on how he reached his conclusions. And this one's also, you know, a little less cut and dry. Um, you know, in the Astros case, you had Mike Fires, a whistleblower. You also had like clear evidence on video from games that there was trash can banging. Yes. In this case, there's no like actual like video or audio. It's a it's stuff that went on or in a, in a back room um, during games, and uh, it is hard to really compare the two because they are the two cases, uh, the Red Sox in 2018 and the Astros in 2017, are so very different. Um, you know, I know we tend to, they're definitely, you know, under the same umbrella as illegal sign stealing, and, um, you know, we... we we tend to like throw everything that's similar in the same bucket, but reading the report to me, I guess my main takeaway was it really underscored how different these two cases were, um, both in terms of the allegations and, and the evidence um, that proved one way or the other. I think, you know, anyone who read the initial reporting about both teams by, by Ken Rosenthal and Evan Drellick knew this. I mean, un unfortunately this in this world we're, Lots of people don't read past headlines. The two cases were lumped together. Yes. Um, and it led to, I think, an expectation by some that the Red Sox were going to get the hammer uh, and harshly punished like the Astros were. But, um, you know, in reality, if you read back in January, the initial reporting, um, it was always clear that what the Red Sox were accused of doing was, was way less egregious. And, um, you know, I think less egregious transgressions warrant less harsh penalties than egregious transgressions and it's just you know and that's kind of what the report makes clear is that, that this you know uh, you can choose to not believe it if 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 you don't want to but manfred de determined that you know this was uh, far more limited in scope and impact my sense jake in looking at the twitter reaction to this which i, I know is always like the best place to go for nuanced <laughs> smart rational takes is uh People, I'm not. I'm just saying. I'm not just saying. There's Astros people I follow. I got the sense from the the national baseball people that I followed that people did not seem very happy with the results of this report. Uh, did you get that sense, or am I like, am I sort of alone in thinking that was kind of the reaction to this? No, I think you're right. I think I don't think people are ever happy though, right? Well, <laughs> yes. Yeah. When, when does a report come out of of uh, that we've been waiting for for? a while and it's like oh yeah that's great that seems right i mean that's never well, gonna be the, the, the twitter reaction i'm glad you mentioned that because this has been one of my big points jake for the last two months is 
I don't know why sports fans are always expecting the perfect punishment. Like, where do people get this idea that it is easy to make punishments in sports, whether players are violating rules or front office people or, or owners? I was thinking last night, uh, like last night I went to get fast food because I was in my feelings and I'm like, you know what? I got to get fast food. And then I came back home. <laughs> don't worry. I, I, had a, I had a mask and, and gloves and all that. But like, and, and I was thinking to myself and, and I was thinking to myself just in my elevator bay and I'm like why are people always expecting the perfect punishment and and I was thinking like the most perfect punishment I think I can recall off the top of my head is when the commissioner of the NBA Adam Silver kicked Donald Sterling out of the NBA which like I guess was not an easy thing to do because it's a commissioner kicking out an owner essentially but when you look at it in hindsight, it's like, yeah, you had an owner who people hated, who seemed like he was a horrible human being, who was caught on tape saying some really terrible things about African Americans. Now, if you go now, if you go kind of and you have time to think about it now, five, seven, eight years later, whatever it is, you know, even though Donald Sterling should have been out of the NBA a long time before that for, you know, racial uh, policies against minorities when it came to housing and all sorts of terrible things. I can kind of agree with Mark Cuban's idea of like, well, it, it it's not necessarily it's concerning that someone can be kicked out of their job for them being recorded without their permission in their own house. It happened to be Donald Sterling, who is a terrible human being. So I'm, I'm OK in that case. But I can see where it has long term that there could be issues down the road. But the point is, when you think about punishments, whether Major League Baseball with the Astros or the Red Sox or an NCAA deal or the NFL with the Patriots scandals or Bounty Gate. It is very difficult to create the perfect punishment where I have an issue with Rob Manfred. I'm probably going on way too long here, but like my issue with Rob Manfred is not what he's done with the Astros or the Red Sox. I think Manfred, as he kept talking in February, kind of started to have random missteps here and there. Uh, I think they ran pretty good investigations into uh, the Astros. I think this one seemed less so, and I'll explain why over the course of the next, you know, 20, 30 minutes. Uh, but when it comes to the punishments of the Astros and the punishments of the Red Sox, I think what Manfred did actually made sense. I think where I blame Rob Manfred is the fact that they didn't, they that Major League Baseball took a basically blind approach. They were like an ostrich in 2017 and through most of 2018. My blame on Manfred is they never enforced their rules for basically a year and three quarters. Longer than that. I mean, the replay room yeah. started in 20, 2014 and we just, I think we just didn't hear about it for a while, but you know, it's hard to imagine that that teams weren't trying to push the edge um, really as soon as they got the technology. I mean, that's it's, great point. It's, it's hard to like, like when you, when you're just letting it be the wild west out there um, and then you're, like you deserve a lot of the blame. And I, I agree with that take that MLB did a really poor job really up until Mike fires uh, came out and, and the athletics first report came out in November of policing it. Um, I guess you could argue they, they improved it and they did improve it last year. Um, and starting the 2018 postseason with the, the monitors in the rooms, but um, this wasn't an issue that people were like on a mainstream level even aware about until until the Astros uh, scandal. Yes. Again, um, back to your 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 original I, point. I went I, all over the place. <laughs> you did. You did. I, don't, I was like, whoa, where are we going with this on the What's NBA? I, I, I think I mean, I think one thing we have to say 
is that every every case of that we're alluding to is different and especially across sports you can't really compare it um on one end cheating is cheating and i i've seen that sentiment out there and that that is true um but at the same time like you're denying yourself the truth if you think that every case of cheating or breaking the rules is the same i mean there's there's different levels of this there's there's nuance involved and um you know i would like i said like read the reports they're very very different um about what was found um you know in the red sox case you know it's it's not nothing but it's not it's not close to what the astros were found to have done and the main difference essentially being the Red Sox. And I'm literally, you know, reading this from Manfred's report. Like I have it right in front of me. And he points out that the information that this JT Watkins, the guy in question, basically the fall guy for the Red Sox, his conduct was the information that he got during games, using the replay room during games, which is the key point, was only relevant when the Red Sox had a runner on second base. Whereas the Astros one could be could and was with guys not on base with with nobody on base with like Evan Gaddis at the plate as as we saw in that video with the Verducci AJ Hinch interview from two months ago and they had and so the Astro system was more nefarious cleaner and could be used a lot more often the point I do want to make and I think you would probably disagree with what I'm about to say I agree with you Jake that not all cheating is the same. I think what's, what seems to be the case, what seems to be overall the case the last couple of years is a lot of teams were probably doing things like the Red Sox were doing, if I can make that leap. Uh, I did a show on SiriusXM about, about two months ago when all of this was really at a fever pitch, and I had Scott Miller of Bleach Report on, and I distinctly remember Scott telling me that baseball in 2016, but especially 2017, was the Wild West. So when I hear that, my immediate thought is, like, either Scott Miller is right, is lying, or has bad information. And I tend to think that he's probably right. So... I agree what the Red Sox were doing was not nearly as bad as what the Astros were doing. At the same time, because the Red Sox were cheating, and it seems like baseball kind of was the Wild West in 2017, maybe 2016, maybe a little bit earlier, that's where I have a hard time with the Friday afternoon after the Astros came back to spring training, Cody Bellinger is crushing Altuve and saying he stole the AL MVP. I'm like, well, hold on a second. I can understand that there are different levels of cheating, and the Astros were on the second or third level of cheating, but it's hard for me to sit here and accept a guy saying, well, Jose Altuve stole an MVP, which to me are like basically fighting words that you would have to tell someone in person and then see what happens. I have a hard time with that. If the accepted culture in baseball was cheating by a significant number of teams, does that make sense? Well, we don't know what exactly was accepted and what was not accepted on a large scale basis. We do know that what the Astros did was not accepted by by virtue of one the penalty against what they did and also the reaction. Um, you know, I, I kind of the the 2018 Red Sox thing kind of feels like what the 2018 Astros did um you know like the the manfred report was kind of unclear about like exactly what the 2018 astros did um with the video room but uh it seems like that you know the video room stuff which was deemed a lot less nefarious than the trash can thing um 
I don't know if it was accepted, but it seems like that's a lot like you could expect that maybe that was pretty common. I don't know that, but like if that's what we're talking about and the lack of kind of um, player reaction to it suggests that there's a lot of, there's a huge difference there. I mean, if you think about it, say you're a hitter and the runner on second base is giving you the sign, right? He's, he's relaying you the sign from some, in some way. Yes. Are you supposed to be thinking like, I wonder if he got this the old school way. I wonder (laughs) if he got this. Did he get this from, from the video guy? Did he get this from the first base coach wearing an Apple watch? Did he get this from a guy in the dugout wearing an Apple watch? Like whatever it may have been in the wild west era. Like, I don't know. I understand that a player batting is probably not thinking about all those things. Like they're probably just saying, Oh, here's the sign I'm going to hit. Um, and that is a huge difference between that and, and the trash can thing. Um, because that's every, there's no one on base. That's every theoretically, every, every pitch, every at bat, you could know what was coming. So, um, but isn't it? I, under, isn't I understand it, the differences there. I get that, but isn't it weird, Jake? That if the Astros had stopped the trash banging scheme on September fifteenth, twenty seventeen, then we wouldn't be talking about any of this. Yeah, is that strange? I mean, I I mean it's strange that it got to a point where no one knew the rules, and yeah, <laughs> and the commissioner had to like put teams on notice for sure. And that goes back to the original point: is like. They let it be the Wild West by, by you know, um, opening the, the instant replay room in 2014 and, and expecting that everything would just be great and there would be no unintended consequence from it. So, yes, I think I do think that's going to be like a significant part of Rob Manfred's legacy. Like or, or there's a chance it could be depending on how long he's commissioner, like that this happened under his watch. So that's that's definitely um you know, all of these are definitely uh, a byproduct of the culture in, in around the game for, uh, to some extent. But, you know, at the same time, like you, you if you're one of these teams who was found to have cheated, you have to take accountability. Like what other teams may have been doing at the time is not that relevant in, in like determining whether you cheated or not. Like che- like you cheated. Um, so like you can't be all the whatabouts that you see on Twitter. You, you can't really have that stance if you're one of these teams who cheated because, you have to take accountability for the fact that you cheated. Um, you know, you know I, I fact, think the, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say like, like cheating is cheating, but like, and you shouldn't cheat, but like to end the conversation at cheating is cheating signals one of a couple things to me, either a, a clear bias among the person saying it, which, you know, that's understandable among baseball fans. You have a bias toward your team. I get it. Um, B or B a lack of desire to like actually educate yourself on what happened. And if you read the two reports, I think it's pretty clear that the similarities and differences. Let, let me draw kind of a, an, an, an analogy here. I, I always I keep talking about other sports, but it's because it's front of mind. So this past weekend, one of the things I watched was uh, the scheme on HBO. It's like a two hour thing about this whole FBI investigation into college basketball. And it, the headline basically is that Sean Miller, the coach at Arizona and Will Wade, the coach at LSU, them basically, in my words, being caught on tape, I think, offering money to players. So. One thing, not a shock, Jake, is if you go on Twitter, you know, these LSU people and the Arizona people are are like convinced that their coaches are not paying players. And I'm sitting here like, man, I'm watching this stupid documentary and I feel like the FBI, I don't know what the hell they were doing. Uh, There's a guy, Christian Dawkins, who was like a runner who I don't think came across well, but I'm watching this thing and I'm like, man, nobody in their right mind could be watching this and think, hey, 
Arizona's not paying to get recruits uh, to their campus or Will Wade's not paying guys to go to LSU. I found it impossible to watch this thing and not to believe that. At the same time, when it comes to the whataboutism, as a human, I can relate to the idea of being, let's say, an LSU basketball fan or an Arizona basketball fan, or in this case, let's say an Astros fan, where you're watching something like the scheme on HBO and it's like, in your heart of hearts, you're probably like, hey, Sean Miller probably was aware of like offers made to players, but man, I'm sure that other schools are definitely paying players. So I'm going to fight this to the death because I know that other schools are doing this. And even though you've got my guy, you've got my school, there are probably tons of other schools doing it too. So I think that's where a lot of people who are fans and who are biased, and, and I am in some areas of my life, that it's like when your guys are caught, your initial feeling is like, Yes, it's bad. Yes, it was wrong. But if you also believe that it's going on elsewhere, you're like, well, why can't you also show that it's happening everywhere else? I'm going to read uh, three paragraphs real quick or two paragraphs. Sorry. The original story by Ken Rosenthal and Evan Drellick in November on The Athletic that broke this thing whole, all, yes. broke the whole thing open. First two paragraphs. There is a broad story about this era of baseball that has yet to be told. To this point, the public's understanding of sign-stealing mostly rests on anonymous second-hand conjecture and finger-pointing. But inside the game, there is a belief that is treated by players and staff as fact, that illegal sign-stealing, particularly through advanced technology, is everywhere. No one has disputed that this was a league-wide issue, but it's a different matter to find evidence um, and and just throw out like wild spe- uh, speculation and accusations. Like, the fact of the matter is... like what we know what the Astros did. We we don't know what everyone did, but we know what the 2017 Astros did. So like we're judging it on here's the 2017 Astros. Here's what they did. We know what the 2018 Red Sox did. Here's, here's what they did. And, you know, I just think like to lump them all into the same thing is, is not looking at the whole story. And um, obviously like, I think it'll be years down the road before we have like a better feel for, the entire era and and i'm sure more stories will come out over the years i hope they do um but you know we only know what we know right and we know what the 2017 astros did um and what the 2018 red sox did and they're just yes. very different cases um and like i feel like anyone who who doesn't recognize that is just like in denial Yes, and I do want to make this point, and I don't want to like make make you know fans of our podcast feel bad, but I'm paid to to tell my aunt my truth. I'm paid to be honest, which is, and when I look at this, Jake, there's this idea out there that oh, Major League Baseball, Rob Manfred, they're just going to punish the mid to high market teams like the Astros. They're never going to go after the Golden Gooses like the Yankees or the Red Sox. And I just don't believe that. I I do not believe that here. I don't believe that in the NFL. I don't believe that in college. Maybe I'm completely naive and I'll throw that out there as a possible concession. But I think I'm right. I, I do not believe that the Red Sox are a golden goose or the Yankees. I believe if the roles and the names were reversed and the, and the Yankees were doing what the Astros did in 2017, I think the punishments would have been the same Red Sox, Dodgers, whoever else. I truly believe that it would have been the same punishment. Like I, I I don't, I don't, while I have issues with this and 
Yeah, there's no conspiracy against the Astros. Like, there's no, there's no, there's no conspiracy. There, like, if if you're Major League Baseball, the fact that the Astros have done so well the last couple of years has been a good thing. The ratings, I know, for the 2019 World Series were not that good. I don't know why, but the ra- the ratings in 2017 were tremendous. You had one of the greatest baseball games of all time, Game Five of that World Series, which which was sensational. You had a good rising market like Houston get really into baseball and has become a baseball. T- town essentially in the last four to five years these are all good things for major league baseball if i'm rob manfred like the last thing i would have wanted is to have what's been happening the last now it's, it would be my fault if i was manfred but i wouldn't want this to happen i wouldn't want to be de- doling out these punishments but i got to do what i got to do with the evidence in front of me there's no conspiracy against the astros yeah and if you think back to 2017 i mean MLB marketed the crap out of the Astros, like match yes. up with the Dodgers. Like here's the young talent uh, of the Astros. They're they're the new thing, the shiny new toy. Like yeah, the, the conspiracy things on Twitter. I just, I mean, I just ignore honestly. They're ridiculous. Um, you know, I understand fans being upset, and the, you know, like I get it. Like if I was a f- like. If I was upset when the Philadelphia Eagles lost in the NFC Championship every year, like when bad things happen to your your team. I was going to say which one? <laughs> <laughs> the three years in a row was it when I was when I was younger back in my yes. my fandom days? Like when bad things happen to your team, you're, it's it's natural to get defensive and, and be upset. But like we're here to look at it, you know, from the the impartial, unbiased view down down the middle and. You know, inst- I would consider myself an expert on the Astros case by now. I have, after you know, covering it for for a few months and reading it that report, I've read the Red Sox report now twice. Like I feel like I have a pretty good handle on on what happened in each case. And um, you know, again, I, I think the people who um, are comparing them so quickly as like this is why one is good and one is bad, and this is why the punishment for this should have been more is like. You have to take them as very, you know, they are they are both under the same umbrella of sign stealing, but they're they're just I feel like a broken record here. They're they're just very different um, things that that the teams were either accused of or proven to have done. Jake, I had somebody uh, tweet me this morning because I had, and he linked both of us, uh, Ben, who said, "Mike, so your opinion is that the Red Sox did less things to cheat, yet you do not believe that Alex Cora was wasn't involved? Doesn't that put the whole report?" and investigation into question. I'm using that tweet because I, w- I want to talk about this part of the Red Sox report by the commissioner, which is Rob Manfred writing that he did not find that Alex Cora, the Red Sox coaching staff, the Red Sox front office, or most of the players on the 2018 Red Sox knew or should have known that this guy, the video replay operator, JT Watkins, was us- utilizing in-game video to update the information that he had learned from his pregame analysis. So the answer to that tweet and that point is, Yes, uh, basically. Uh, I do not think that... Does Do I think that this puts the whole report into question? I guess so. I think it's more that... Listen, there's no evidence that what the Red Sox were doing was as bad as the Astros in 2017. At the same time, when I read the conclusion that Alex Cora didn't know, and then to go to the second level, should not have known about his replay guy doing this, that stretches my imagination because I don't know about you, Jake, but I got the sense in reading the original Astros report and the reporting around the Astros report back in January that... Uh, Alex Cora 
to use like a Harry Potter term, was like a master of the dark arts. And so I just have a hard time he, believing. He was the Severus Snape or who? What's the comp here? Yes. One of those guys. Exactly. And I have a hard time imagining that Alex Cora, based on his role in 2017, had no idea about this Watkins guy and should not have had any idea about this Watkins guy. What do you think? Again, they're very different. Like, if the Red Sox had been accused of doing the trash can scheme, then yeah, 100%, I agree with you. But, like, he didn't bring the trash can scheme clearly to, to Boston. They didn't use it. So, like, it's a different situation. Um, now, there's so, like, we would have to read, like, four pages of this report to really, like, get to the heart of the issue in terms of, like, you know, Watkins was in charge of their of their pregame uh, of the pregame reports, which include and legally so, you know, signs from previous games, previous series of the team they're going against. That's every you know. I assume every team does that because that's fair game. The question is whether he changed them in game to up, updated them, revised them, and gave them to the players based off what he was seeing live in game. Yes, um, it's such a weird like. It's such a not weird. It's such a, like a like specific um complicated like topic that you have to like really care about this this topic to actually like you know really understand what's going on i feel like because it's so like i don't know like if, we, if you told me five years ago this is what we'd be talking about in baseball like whether an in-game <laughs> replay guy was revising his signs in in game um I, I mean it is hard to believe that like the manager wouldn't know if if the uh replay guy was revising the signs in game but um. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you on that point. Like, it is hard to. I mean, I, I just to, to square, I, I, here's but like, I don't know. Like, I you like there was no hard evidence Jake, to they, to prove that like one way or the other. You know, I get that. My issue though is they this report. I reread it. I reread it this morning a second time. Like, they made it seem like this JT Watkins guy was almost a rogue operator, and right. I just have an impo- I have an impossible time believing. That JT Watkins working under Alex Cora was a rogue operator and was doing this without anybody else really knowing or should have knowing if that that's I don't I can't really say those words in combination, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, when you're such a lower level employee like a one of these video guys are and not to diminish what they do, I mean, they are valued in the clubhouse for what they do uh, across the game, but like. Yeah, you would think the manager would know uh, what was going on there for sure. Um, and also, like, for me, it kind of goes back to the point of, like, was this practice of revising your signs, um, what, you know, clearly it's against the rules and it's cheating. But in the moment in 2017, 2018, when, when teams are theoretically doing this, do they know that it's do, do the players know that it's against the rules? It doesn't seem like they did. Um, well, based well, based on this report, the Red Sox, the players on the team in 2018 did not seem to fully know what the rules are, what were, which I don't really know, Jake, how to analyze that part of it, because Rob Manfred in this report goes into painstaking detail talking about different regulations and meetings and how the Red Sox were so good at communicating new rules, changing rules to all of their non-playing staff and throughout the front office. And yet there's apparently a a quote unquote rogue agent and apparently the players didn't really fully know the rules. So that was the part that was confusing to me in cross comparing 
Red Sox report with Astro support is Manfred talking about how well they did in communicating all the rules, and yet the players didn't really know the rules. Yeah, and theoretically you could prove that, right? There's paper trails for Slack messages and emails and, and whatever. Yes. Um, so, like, I don't doubt that part of it. But, like, the players not knowing it seems familiar, right? Like, it seems, like, similar to the Astros 2018 thing. Like, there was some confusion that the Astros... T- Remember the, the Ken Rosenthal interview with Correa where he had to, like, remind him, you guys were found to cheat in 2018, too. Um, yes. There seems to be, like, a huge gap between, like, at the time, so, like, the, the Wild West era, let's call it, what players thought was over the line and, and you know, was above board. And that didn't always seem, it doesn't seem to jive with what the exact rules were, are or were, uh, after the September 2017 memo from Rob Manfred. So... I think there's just confusion there in terms of like what was a, what was the, what was the what were the rules what what was against the rules, but what was accepted and what wasn't accepted, um, you know. And, and so yeah, I, back to the original point from five minutes ago. Like, I do find it hard to believe that the manager wouldn't know that something was going on there. But um, yeah, I, again, like the whole like did he change it in game or not, uh, so that they could steal easier more easily steal signs from runner on second base. Um, I don't know. I, it doesn't really like have the same ring as like, you know, like in terms of like levels of cheating as, as you know, every pitch that's coming and you're banging a trash can to, yeah. you know, I, I know I hate to like keep comparing them cause I know like beating a dead horse here in some respects, but like, I think it's important to note the differences in these cases and for all the people just saying that the Red Sox got off light, um, relative to the Astros, well, there it was a much less egregious uh, offense. What about, Jake, the people who are going to say, hey, this investigation, this investigation, which I'm going to get the numbers here in a second, but they interviewed 65 witnesses, 34 currents, and former Red Sox players. Timing-wise, this would have been happening uh, most likely after the Astros punishments, the harsh ones were uh, released on January 13th. So the two first round picks, the two second round pinch, Hinch, Luno, the whole thing. Uh, these, the Red Sox, the people in the, in the Red Sox organization, the, the players, the former players, they would have been aware of how much the Astros were getting crushed. What do you think of the idea of, hey, they're going to be less honest or not as forthcoming with investigators and they'll only be as forthcoming as they need to be because they see what's happening in Houston, how much those guys are being crushed, and they don't want the same thing happening to them? Um, I don't know. I think because they were given immunity, they were probably the same level of honest. I mean, also, like, there was a month gap there before the Astros were really getting crushed because they didn't apologize for a month and when the thing broke, right? Like, the January 13th timeline for the report coming out and the uh, February, whatever it was, let's call it February 12th press conference in West Palm Beach. Like that's a month of time where theoretically they were doing a lot of the Red Sox interviews. Um, I don't know. I I tend to believe that people are are honest when given immunity. Maybe I'm wrong. One interesting aspect of this that I thought um, yesterday was that is it JT or TJ? JT Watkins. J- JT Watkins. He sounds like a, a linebacker in the Big Ten. Um, <laughs> yeah. JT Watkins was actually like admitted in 2017 when they did the Apple Watch investigation. He admitted his role in that and was forthright yes. about that, but then, you know, denied any of this stuff, which I thought was interesting, um, you know, that they, they, 
that he was, you know, admitting to one thing but not the other. Um, there's just so much gray area. It underscores how much gray area there is in this in this stuff and how like well, the video room is is like this back room that you there's no audio or video of the room and what's going on in it. And it's just it's hard to know exactly what went on and all these different. And not just in Boston, not just in Houston. It's hard to know what, what any team's been doing with their video room since 2014. Well, Jake, I think the reason why this is so nuanced, and I hope people are like are following this. I think we're trying to do as best we can to like just simplify this and kind of streamline the whole thing. I think why it's so nuanced is in baseball, sign stealing has always been and is still a legal thing. You can sign steal you can steal signs naturally. And before the game, after the game, it seems like, correct me if I'm wrong, you can use all sorts of technology, whatever you want, to steal signs before games, after games. What you can't do, which the Astros did, which the Red Sox did, and maybe a bunch of other teams did, is do it in-game with electronics. I think that's what makes some of this nuance. And unless you actually go and read the Astros report and the Red Sox report, sometimes the nuance is lost, but it's that the overall sign stealing is legal, but it's that doing it at certain times in certain ways is not legal. Yeah, and it's weird that we call it stealing, right? Stealing signs is legal, <laughs> you know, but it, it yes. has the word stealing <laughs> in it. It reminds yep. me of the playoffs this past year in 2019 when the Astros took advantage of Tyler Glass now tipping um, in game five yep. of the AL, uh, ALDS. And that was really the difference in the game, right? Like that first inning. It was. They saw he was holding his, his arm at, or his hand at different lengths or different heights. Uh, for, I mean, he's a two pitch guy, so it's it, it's obvious, more obvious in his case. But you know, <clears throat> excuse me, it was either higher for a curveball or a fastball. I'm not sure which one, and they could see that, and they took advantage of it. And I wrote that night about that was my story was about how they took advantage of that, and that was the difference in the series. And I remember like the comments and people tweeting at me like pissed, like why are you accusing the Astros of cheating? Like I'm like I'm literally not like good for them it's not cheating yeah like honestly good for them for like seeing something and taking advantage of it like as long as they didn't use technology to do it that's fair game um so it reminds me of that there was just like a huge there, a lot of people i feel like didn't understand the, the the difference um in that um i'd also like to point out while we're talking about this um you know ken ken rosenthal and evan Drellick, who broke the story Originally and also yesterday with on Wednesday with the punishment, uh, <clears throat> they came out with another piece uh, on Thursday morning, kind of analyzing a lot of these questions that we are talking about. Um, yes. And, and their main point is basically how this 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 report does invite a lot of questions. And I do agree with that. Um, you know, and so it, I would encourage everyone to check that out. Um, you know, if, if you. Go to theathletic.com slash Crawford Talks. You can receive 40% off an annual subscription uh, and support this podcast if you like this podcast, um, which hopefully you do. Uh, and, so, and so, yeah, I, I mean, I would t if you're interested in this stuff and the more the more the, the, the nuances of it, uh, I would I would go I would say go to theathletic.com slash Crawford Talks for 40% off an annual subscription. Um, you know, Kevin, Ken and Evan in particular have been on top of this from the start. And They've so, been amazing. And so their, you know, insight into this is, is really interesting. Um, you know, and they do compare the Astros versus the Red Sox cases. And it's natural to do that. Um, but I think, you know, for like, again, like for the, the people who think they're the same and cheating is cheating, like I would encourage you to, to dig a little deeper.
Jake, one thing I do want to ask you about is the Red Sox are punished. You know, JT Watkins basically is the fall guy. The Red Sox video mm-hmm. replay system operator. They get the second round pick this year docked. The Red Sox obviously were the team that was involved in Apple Watch in 2017. And ironically, JT Watkins was the guy involved in that. Should the punishment have been more severe because even though the manager changed uh, with the Red Sox, this team was also involved in Apple Watch, not the exact same scheme, something sort of similar. The Apple Watch, as I understand it, was relaying signs to the dugout versus guys you know, on second base or guys who eventually made it to second base. Because they're repeat offenders, should the punishment have been harsher? Yeah, I that is one thing I heard a lot from fans on Wednesday. And I actually... I. Part of me agrees with that. And I think, you know, in the report, Manfred points that out. And he does at least indicate that he considered that as part of his punishment. Um, I do think there's also like a, a discrepancy between like how team, how MLB and how teams view the loss of a second round draft pick and how we on the outside view it. We, we view it as no big deal. Teams view it as a big deal. So like you could argue that too. Like, is it a, you know, how much of a punishment was it? Um but yeah, I think because they were an offender in 2017, um, that has to be considered in, in this process. I mean, it, it is a different manager, different regime. Uh, I guess the same GM, right? But different manager. Yeah, same GM. Um, same video guy involved. So that's similar. Um, and it is a similar issue. It's it's relaying signs to get, you know, the, it's basically all to ensure that the runner on second base has the signs and can relay them to the hitter, right? Um, yeah, I, I think that's a fair complaint if you don't think the second round pick is worth that much, which I think, uh, could, you know, the Red Sox would argue it is, um, then you, you could say that they weren't considered a repeat offender, but I think MLB did consider that. And if you believe Rob Manfred's report, um, one thing that did surprise me, um, somewhat was that there was no punishment for the leadership positions those in leadership positions of the 2017 Red Sox, given Manfred's previous claims that he would hold GMs and managers accountable for the illegal sign-stealing transgressions. Um, yes. Obviously, Cora got his suspension, but it was not for the Red Sox transgressions. It was for the Astros uh, and being kind of the ringleader uh, with Carlos Beltran of, of the 2017 Astros scheme. Um, but at the same time with the Red Sox, maybe it doesn't, that part of it doesn't really matter because the GM of that team, Dave Dombrowski, was was fired last year. Coro was already fired or parted ways, however they just termed it. <laughs> um, yes. You know, and I guess since, like I said earlier, since there are paper trails for this thing, you could prove that um, their front office was diligent about forwarding the rules to the staff. And I guess they kind of absolved the staff, if absolved the front office if, if it wasn't properly translated from from the staff to the players, but um, or adhered to by the staff, but yeah, that part of it did surprise me that there wasn't anything for you know the GM um, and and additional for the manager just because of the precedent Manfred set and the claims he's made about who who should be held accountable for these type of things. I agree with you on that, unless I'm to believe that JT Watkins was a rogue agent, which I don't believe. And even if I did believe he was a rogue agent, I still think based on baseball's standard after September 15, 2017, and the fact that the Red Sox were a repeat offender, 
if an organization has somebody breaking the rules who's that close to the dugout, I do think based on the standards set that the GM and the manager should be held responsible, the same thing should have happened here. And ultimately, it seemed like what Manford found basically was that the evidence, circumstantial and otherwise, meant JT Watkins was probably doing some illicit things during games, but because he couldn't pin it specifically on Alex Cora or specifically on Dave Dombrowski that he used that second round pick as sort of like an all-encompassing punishment for what the Red Sox did in 2018, that he knew one guy did it, plus he couldn't really pin it on anybody else, and so the best way to kind of solve that was, hey, you're not going to pick in the second round in, in 2020. And what do you think of that punishment in terms of the, the, the pick? Because I think we've now, our, our view of picks has now been distorted by the fact that the Astros lost four picks, right? I think... You know, before this, if you had said, if say the Astros case never happens and the Red Sox happens and they lose a second round pick, I think it feels like a bigger loss than it does now because we're comparing it to the Astros who lost two firsts and two seconds. Um, but I mean, second round pick is, is still something. Well, listen, we, we just and make sure you guys check out uh, our podcast episode uh, this past Monday going through the Astros 10 best draft picks of the last 20 years for an organization that won a World Series and three league titles. We couldn't even find we basically could, couldn't really find 10. It was hard to find 10 good draft picks in 20 years and a lot, a vast majority of the good picks were in the first round, maybe the second round, but like in the high part of the first round. So, yes, I, I think these picks are a big deal. Uh, if, if you're asking me like. I think a second round pick in 2020, I guess Man Manfred did say in, a, in in the footnote that because it could be as as low or as small as a five round draft this year because of COVID-19, that not having a second round pick will be more of a punishment for the Red Sox than a typical year. Uh, if it was me looking at this report, because I feel like there are some missing pieces here and I don't think they really got to the heart of what Alex Cora knew or didn't know, I might have done like a first round pick in 2021 just for like the delayed onset effect to make it a little bit less in terms of how harsh it was. That, that's what I would have probably done. Yeah, maybe it should have been two seconds or, or maybe maybe your idea of a second and a first. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's it's hard to really say. Um, like I said at the top of the show, like the evidence is a big factor, right? Like we don't have the same, you know, I think the Mike Fires being a whistleblower part of it, like on the record testimony from a player is a huge difference in these cases. And also the, I video, agree. the video and audio evidence. They're, they just don't have that for the Red Sox. I think that's part of the reason it took so long. Obviously, this this report would have come out much sooner if not for all that we're going through right now as a as a as a war, as a planet. But um, you know, it still was I think before the shutdown taking longer than people thought. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think we're gonna look back on this. I think this whole era we need some time to really um, look. You know, we need more. We need to be removed from it. You know, more time removed from it and have like more context and look to really properly look back on, on what was going on. But I like one of my main takeaways from, from this Red Sox report was just like, it, it is another reminder of how MLB let it become the wild west out there. And yes. Um, and there's still confusion as what players thought was cheating and what wasn't. And really letting, letting teams run amok in their video rooms without much of any rules through September of 2017. Um, it's really just inviting this kind of behavior, isn't it? Like, I mean, not to excuse the behavior, it's you shouldn't cheat, but like, 
absolutely mlb deserves a lot of the blame with with this what is it five-year era that i guess four years because last year was supposedly clean um with with the video monitors but um yeah i don't know i, I just think that that's probably how we're going to look back on it um in years down the road after there's books written about this is that mlb really deserves a lot of the blame in in this era I agree. I mean, it's similar in, in a way to the steroids performance enhancing drugs era, where just the enforcement wasn't there. I know that I know that feelings on instant replay are a little bit split, but in hindsight, it makes sense to go back to 2014 and say, okay, well, now we're installing instant replay in Major League Baseball. These teams are going to have access to video feeds. They probably should have been thinking deeper, like how could these teams use this technology in nefarious ways, which obviously played out. Uh, to a large extent in the ensuing four years, essentially. I was just going to say, I can't wait for all the people to, to claim that I'm biased for the Red Sox because I'm either, <laughs> yes. either because of because of my my takes, hot takes, I guess, my uh, takes in this pod or because I'm from the Northeast, not from Massachusetts, from Pennsylvania, full disclosure. But Yankee. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, like literally, I feel like it's my it's our job to not have any bias and to look at this down the middle. And I, I hope that's what we did. I think that's, that's what we, I know that's what we tried to do. Um, and, you know, I'm, we're not, um, we're definitely not saying you shouldn't be passionate for your team if you're an Astros fan, but I think um, there's, there's oversimplifications and it is, it's a, if you read the report, it's, it's interesting. I would, I would just encourage everyone to, to read both the Astros and the Red Sox report and, and try yes. to separate your fandom and, and come to your own conclusions. He is Jay Kaplan. Make sure you check out his work on The Athletic. Does a terrific job, obviously, covering the Astros and all the great stories that are out there right now, including uh, Ken Rosenthal and Evan Drellick on the MLB report on the questions that remain after this report. Do us a favor, if you have not already, rate and review the podcast. Subscribe to get it downloaded straight to your phone if you have not already. He is Jay Kaplan. I'm Mike Meltzer. This has been another episode of the Crawford Talks, an Astros podcast brought to you by the Athletic.